Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hälsosnack produceras av hälsocoacherna Lotta Lagerqvist och Victoria Karinci i syfte att inspirera till ett hälsosammare och härligare liv. Lotta och Victoria driver också hälsoföretaget Vitalista där de erbjuder hälsocoaching enskilt i grupp och online. Läs gärna mer på vitalista.se. Hej Lotta! Hej Victoria och hej du som lyssnar och välkommen till ett nytt avsnitt av Hälsosnack. Idag så ska vi prata med en person som har varit en stor inspiration och kunskapskälla för oss. Ja, vi ska få träffa Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride som är läkare, neurolog och neurokirurg. Men nu mer så är hon nutritionist och hjärnan bakom GAPS-dieten. GAPS står för Gut and Psychology Syndrome och även Gut and Physiology Syndrome. GAPS är en metod för att hjälpa kroppen att läka och resätta och utvecklades från början för att adressera neuropsykiatriska diagnoser. Och som Natasha berättade i podden så var det för att hjälpa sin egen autistiska son som hon började med att göra intensiv research och utifrån det utvecklade GAPS-metoden. Numera används den även vid andra hälsoproblem, till exempel vid autoimmuna sjukdomar. Ni vet... All disease begins in the gut. Ja, och jag minns än idag när jag hörde Natasha föreläsa för första gången. Och det var ju på vår hälsocoachutbildning på IIN. Och jag tror att jag lyssnade på den där föreläsningen åtminstone tre gånger. För hon sa så mycket bra, klokt och tankvärda grejer. Och jag lärde mig massor bara på den föreläsningen. Och den gav mig nya perspektiv och flera ledtrådar till min egen hälsoresa. Ja men verkligen, Natasha är en så himla smart kvinna och hon pratar verkligen klarspråk. Hon lindar inte in sanningen direkt och med all denna kunskap så är hon en stor inspiration till så många som verkar inom hälsoområdet. Ja och vi hade ju egentligen tänkt djupa ännu mer i själva GAPS-metoden. Men Natasha fick feeling och delar med sig av så mycket mer. Så här kommer ett riktigt ärligt, rätt framt och intressant avsnitt. Och kanske behöver du lyssna tre gånger på det här avsnittet. Precis som jag gjorde när jag hörde Natasha första gången. Mm, eller hur? För här är en hel del information att smälta och ta in. Så, med det sagt så vill jag bara säga enjoy the ride. Mm. 
Hi, Dr. Natasha, and warm welcome to our show, Hälsosnack. Hello, thank you for inviting me. I'm delighted to be here. Dr. Natasha, you are one of the most brilliant people I've listened to, and uh, you explain the concepts of food and healing in the most eloquent yet easy to understand and straightforward ways. And um, your work has given me very important clues to my own health journey, and I'm very grateful for that. And uh, it has also uh, greatly influenced the way I look at health and healing today. So let's just say I'm uh, beyond excited to have you on our show today. So thank you. Yeah, That's me too. So wonderful. And uh, first of all, we'd like uh, to ask you to introduce yourself to the listeners and tell us a little bit about yourself and your academic background and how you got interested in this health topic. I'm a medical doctor. I was uh, working as a neurologist, neurosurgeon for a period of time. Then I trained in human nutrition as well. And uh, I'm the creator of the GAPS nutritional protocol, the concept of GAPS which stands for gut and psychology syndrome and gut and physiology syndrome, both of which abbreviate to the same gaps in the English language. So what is gaps? It's a, a connection that exists between the functioning of the digestive system of the person and the functioning of the rest of the body. Hippocrates, the father of modern medicine, all those thousands of years ago, made a statement that all diseases begin in the gut. And uh, the more we learn with our modern scientific tools, the more we realize just how correct he was. Indeed, every disease begins in the gut. And uh, every chronic disease, whether this is mental illnesses, whether this is autoimmunity, allergies, arthritis, skin problems, cystitis, rheumatoid arthritis, multiple sclerosis, digestive issues, schizophrenia, autism, whatever, Whatever chronic disease a person is suffering from, the roots of that disease are in the gut, in the digestive system, and that's where the treatment has to begin. And that's what GAPS stands for. I came to develop this concept through a family. Through We had family trouble. My first child was diagnosed with autism at the age of three, which threw me into a very steep learning curve. Very quickly, I realized that my own profession had absolutely nothing to offer my precious boy. So I had to learn further. I had to look further. And uh, I went back to university and studied human nutrition. I realized that food was fundamental to human health. And uh, it took me on a, on a long journey, a lifelong journey. And that's how the whole concept was developed. My son, by the way, now is um, a young man in his late 20s. He is perfectly healthy and leading a, a healthy life healthy and happy life. He was actually the one who came and helped me with the technical support. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think that most of our listeners, they probably hear about this GAPS diet for the first time. And in Health Snack, we have talked about uh, how important the gut is for like all our health. And I love that quote from Hippocrates. And I read somewhere an update on it that like all disease begins in an unhealthy gut, which is probably the case. So, um, I think that could you just elaborate a little bit about because when you um, 
tell us that long list of all these diseases, chronic diseases that starts in the gut. Many people might get skeptical when if they hear this for like one of the first times. How can that be? Is that really true? And why don't we hear a lot more about it? Okay, let me explain. Human body is an ecosystem. It is teeming with microbes. In fact, you are you've got more microbes in your body than you've got your own human cells. And the evolutionary biology is telling us that the human cells in their evolution came from microbes. That millions of years ago, billions of years ago, microbes came together and this microbe said to this microbe, I can do this for you. And the other microbe says, and I can do that for you. Let's cooperate. Because Mother Nature works on cooperation. We in the modern world, in the Western world, not in the Eastern philosophy, but in the Western uh, world, we labor under a myth that uh, nature works on survival of the fittest. And that's what drilled into us in our school education. Survival of the fittest, that everything in nature is set to destroy each other. And that is not true. That is a political idea. It has nothing to do with nature and has nothing to do with the truth of how nature functions. Uh, it's, it's got all to do with the politics of human society. So nature works on cooperation, where everything in nature cooperates with each other. And healthy natural environments and healthy whole, nature as a whole, is a balanced community. It is a harmonious community. There is a harmony. And when there is a harmony, let's say an orchestra is playing a music, every musical instrument is essential. There is nothing unimportant in that orchestra. If you remove one musical instrument, it will not be the same music. It will not be the same symphony. It will not work the same way and will not have the same effect. And the same in nature. Nature is music. It's harmony. And in harmony, everything is equal and everything is uh, important, absolutely essential. Nature works on a real, true democracy. Democracy that we're trying to create in the human society and we're failing um, spectacularly, unfortunately. Nature, nature works on cooperation. And, and that's what's happened billions of years ago where various microbes that dominated the planet and they still dominate our planet, they're in the vast majority, microbes. This planet belongs to the microbes, not to us. Various microbes came together and started creating a bigger bodies, communities, bigger bodies, and then bigger and bigger bodies. And the pinnacle of that evolution is the human body. Your blood cells, your brain cells, your skin cells, your muscle cells, and other cells are descendants of microbes. They have changed over billions of years. They evolved. They specialized. But they've never forgotten who they are. They've never forgotten that they were microbes billions of years. And they can revert back, these creatures. Apart from that, so your body in itself is of microbial origin. Apart from that, you are full of microbes. Modern science, Western science got interested in uh, gut flora, in the microbial community inside the digestive system of people only recently. But now research is moving uh, very fast. And what they've given us, uh, that 90% of all cells in the human body are in our gut flora. 90%. So your body is just a shell, a habitat for this mass of microbes that live inside your digestive system. And like any microbial community in the world, the basis of that microbial community are fungi. Fungi create the network 
along which bacteria, viruses, protozoa, archaea, and all the other creatures create their little homes, their villages, their towns, you know, their amenities, and there is a harmonious community. If your gut flora is harmonious, where everything is there, nothing's removed, and everything is contributing to that beautiful symphony of harmony, then you're healthy and you're well. That microbial community will never allow any disease to develop in your body. But if that microbial community is damaged because you were taking antibiotics, because our agricultural uh, industry, industry, our uh, Western industrial agriculture, uses a myriad of chemicals on the crops, most of which are antibiotics in their nature. So today, modern humans eat antibiotics for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Not only from the doctors, but from the food that you buy in supermarkets, because everything is laced with antibiotic-like chemicals. And antibiotics kill off a proportion of that microbial community. So what's left as a result? The harmony is gone. The balance is gone. What's left overgrows, tries to compensate, and as a result, you develop illness. That is why all disease begins in the gut. That is why that's where it starts. But what we need to also understand that now we have a term microbiome, which means that human body is full of microbes everywhere else too. It isn't just in the gut. There is nothing microbe-free in your body. You have microbes in your blood, in your heart, in your lungs, in your brain, in your abdominal cavity. Women have microbial communities in their uterus, in their ovaries, in the fallopian tubes, which play a crucial role in that woman's ability to have a child, to sustain a healthy pregnancy, and to produce a healthy child. And the microbes are everywhere. But the biggest community of microbes is sitting in your digestive system. That is the headquarters of your microbiome. And whatever's happening in the gut will affect the microbial communities everywhere else in your body. What we need to understand also that microbes are the most evolved creatures on our planet. They're immensely clever and versatile. And they have a free gene market, microbes. They have um, the environment where they live. They freely exchange genetics with each other. They release genes into the environment. They pick up somebody else's genes, genes, and uh, they evolve that way all the time, and they change all the time that way. And now we're learning that our own cells do the same with the microbes, that they can exchange genetics with the microbes. Because our cells were microbes billions of years ago themselves. So when you attack microbes in your body with antiseptics or antibiotics or other microbe-killing things and chemicals, you need to think very carefully who you are attacking, what you are attacking. So when I first developed the concept of GAPS, that was uh, beginning of 2000s, beginning of this millennium, I have written a book called Gut and Psychology Syndrome, which came out in 2004. And in that book, I have explained where autism comes from, where hyperactivity comes from, attention deficit disorder, dyslexia, dyspraxia, schizophrenia, depression, bipolar disorder, all mental illnesses and all learning disabilities. Because at that point, this is what I was focusing on. Because I was a neurologist, because my clinic was... Uh, focused on autism and uh, 
other mental illnesses and learning disabilities in children and adults. And uh, that is what I've written about. My books are written based on clinical experience. I do not take information from any other books. My teachers are my patients. So everything in my books um, comes, all the information comes from my patients who taught me this information through their symptoms, through their pain, pain, their suffering, their diseases, from what I have observed and what worked and what didn't work with these people. The second GAPS book I have written last year, that's called Gut and Physiology Syndrome, which covers the rest of the body. First book focused on the brain, the second book focused on the rest of the body. Because the roots of your health are sitting in your gut, right there. Because you are a microbial community, and the vast majority of those microbes are living inside your digestive system. And the beauty of that is, the beauty of this design of the human body is that we can change any microbial community in nature by changing their food, by changing their environment. Food is the most powerful influence on any microbial community, which you change the supply of food to the microbes within minutes. Certain species will start disappearing, other species will start appearing and growing and evolving and producing babies because microbes multiply very, very fast. So by changing our diet, by changing what we eat, we can change everything in our bodies. No matter how far away from the digestive system this organ might be, the cells might be, whether this is your brain or this is your joints or your lungs or your heart or your skin or anything else. And that is what GAPS is about. So what we have in the Western world, we have an epidemic of abnormal gut flora in people due to the uh, uh, antibiotic influences. Antibiotics, agricultural chemicals, and other modern influences that we humans have created on our planet. Majority of people who live in the Western world now have abnormal gut flora. We spoke about antibiotics, that they break the harmony, they kill off uh, part of the population of those microbes. When the person has damaged gut flora, many things go wrong. The first thing that happens, these microbes take a very important part in appropriate digestion of your food, digestion and absorption of food. If your microbial community in the gut becomes abnormal, lots of pathogenic microbes overgrow in there, they digest food in their own way, converting it into millions of poisonous chemicals. At the same time, they damage the integrity of your gut wall, making it porous and leaky. Holes develop in your gut wall. It becomes like a sieve. So these uh, chemicals, these poisons that they produce, absorb into your blood, into your lymph, and get distributed around the body. At the same time, you cannot digest your food properly. Your food starts absorbing undigested through this damaged gut wall. Then the immune system finds this undigested food in your blood, looks at it and says, you're not food, I don't recognize you as food, and attacks it. This attack will manifest itself as any reaction you like. These are called um, food allergies and intolerances. And it can be a panic attack, it can be a, an asthma attack, it can be a drop in your blood sugar level, a drop in your energy, it can be a skin rash, it can be palpitations in your heart. It can be any reaction at all. And the reaction can be immediate or delayed, depending on what kind of bit of food has absorbed and what kind of reaction the immune system has produced to that bit of food, 
of undigested food. So you might be reacting to something you've, you've just had for lunch, plus something you had yesterday, plus something you had a few days ago, plus something you had two weeks ago. So on any given day, the person has no idea what they're reacting to. People go to laboratories, they test for food allergies and intolerances, they get results, and they start removing foods out of their diet, and they remove, and they remove, and they remove, until there's virtually nothing left to eat, and the person is still reacting. Because as long as your gut is like a sieve with holes in it, you are absorbing all your food undigested. It has no time to digest properly. You can be eating the best quality food in the world, but if you can't digest it properly and absorb it in an undigested form, you will be reacting to that food. So in order to deal with food allergies and intolerances, it is gut wall that you have to focus on, not the foods. We need to seal and heal the gut wall. Close all these holes in the gut wall. And in order to do that, we have to change the gut flora, change that microbial community that lives in your gut. Restore the balance, restore the harmony, the symphony in your gut. And then the food will start digesting properly and absorbing properly, and your food allergies and intolerances will disappear. That is why I don't even recommend people to do this testing for food allergies and intolerances, certainly not at the beginning. Don't waste your money on it uh, if, if you've got a limited limited funds. Follow the GAPS diet, the GAPS nutritional protocol, because that's what it's been designed for. It will restore the harmony in your microbial community in the gut, and it will heal and seal your gut wall. It will, in fact, build you a new gut wall. Because the cells that make your gut wall only live a few days. They have a very short life. They work very hard. They get old. They get worn out. The body removes them. And it gives birth to new baby cells to replace them. In order to give birth to trillions of baby cells every day, building materials are required, very specific building materials. And that is what the GAPS diet provides. It provides concentrated amounts of these building materials to give birth to trillions of new baby cells to line your gut wall. So what we're doing, in effect, we are building new gut wall for you out of new, newly born cells made out of perfect materials. The whole process of this uh, renewal of your gut wall is ruled by your gut flora, by the microbes. So we have to work on the balance and harmony of your microbial community in the gut. Uh, And once we've done that, then they will rule the building of your gut wall properly, and you will heal and seal it, and your food allergies and intolerances will disappear. When the person has abnormal gut flora and the gut wall is like a sieve full of holes, There is a river of toxicity flowing from your gut into your blood, into your lymph, and getting distributed all over the body. Undigested food is in there, millions of poisonous chemicals that pathogenic microbes produced in your gut, byproducts of your digestive process, and alive microbes too, which should not be in your bloodstream. Your gut, instead of being a source of nourishment for you, becomes a major source of toxicity for you. Wherever it gets to, it causes disease in the body. Okay. So, so this is this is so truly fascinating. And I was just wondering, like, when you had your firstborn son, and um, uh, he developed autism, can you, like, when you think about it now, can you see what caused it in him? Like, what happened? Because 
you think like small children that they um, that th- their gut linings and their they should have healthy stomachs. But what what has happened? What happened is what's happening now to every child in the Western world. Children acquire their gut flora from the mother and the father. That is what the parents pass to their child at the moment of birth. The mother starts passing her gut flora to the child during nine months of pregnancy. As soon as the baby's digestive system is formed during uh, the fetal development, the uterine flora, the flora inside the uterus of the woman, and there is a placenta full of microbes. Placenta is absolutely teeming with microbes. It's got its own microbial flora. And that flora uh, populates the digestive system of the child. So the child starts developing its bodily flora in utero before birth. But then during the birth, the baby goes through the birth canal and it swallows microbes that live in the mother's vagina. Where does vaginal flora come from? It comes from two places. One, from the mother's bowel. So if the woman has got abnormal gut flora, that flora travels out of her uh, bowel and populates her groin and gets into her vagina. And if she's got abnormal gut flora, that's what she will pass to her child. The father, if he's got abnormal gut flora, it will also populate all the organs in his groin, and he shares that flora with the mother on a regular basis through sexual contact. So that's how both the mother and the father pass their gut flora to the child at the moment of birth. If the child is born naturally, going through the birth canal. If the child is born through C-section, cesarean section, then what the research shows us that the gut flora of the child is impoverished. Many microbes are missing, particularly bifidobacteria are missing, and that predisposes the child to allergies, to eczema, to asthma, and to learning disabilities, to other problems. We have an epidemic of abnormalities in the gut flora, and this epidemic in the Western world in particular is getting deeper with every generation. Before I talk about the health of a child in my clinic, I always first gather information about the health of the parents, brothers and sisters of this child, and grandparents too. And a typical scenario has emerged from this information. If grandparents they received healthy, good gut flora from their parents because they were born just after the Second World War or before the Second World War or during it, during this war. Just imagine that in that time, the whole planet was organic. Just think about it. There was no other food in the world but organic, clean, organic food with no chemicals in it. That's hard to imagine now. What a wonderful world. Exactly. And they acquired healthy robust, harmonious gut flora from their parents because there was no other gut flora for millions of years. Humans just passed healthy, harmonious gut flora from generation to generation to their children. But then antibiotics were discovered. And in the 50s, 60s, they came onto the market. So the grandparents maybe had maybe one or two courses of antibiotics before they had their children. These antibiotics damaged their gut flora a little bit. So they passed that slightly damaged gut flora to their children. Then their children grew up in a very different world. They grew up in a world where antibiotics were given to them every year for every cough and sneeze, any cold, any infection, anything. Antibiotics, antibiotics, antibiotics. At the same time, vaccinations appeared on the planet. At the same time, industrial agriculture appeared on the planet with many chemicals. And many of these uh, agricultural chemicals that are used on our crops are repurposed chemicals that were used in the Nazi concentration camps. 
these are poisonous, uh, deadly chemicals. So the food started getting that, those chemicals in increasing amounts. So that generation of people, when the girls uh, reach, reached the age of 15, 16, 17, they were put on a contraceptive pill, which they took for quite a few years. Contraceptive pill has a devastating effect on the gut flora of the woman. So by the time that generation of people decided to have their first baby, their gut flora was seriously damaged, far more damaged than it was in their parents' generation. And that's the damaged gut flora that they passed to their children. And every year, this situation now is getting deeper and deeper, worse and worse. And this is the epidemic of gaps, gut and psychology syndrome and gut and physiology syndrome. And this is the root cause of all our epidemics of autism in children, ADHD, ADD, dyslexia, dyspraxia, diabetes type 1, asthma, eczema, rheumatoid arthritis, and autoimmune illnesses in adults, and all the other chronic conditions. Because all diseases begin in the gut. Mm. And the gut flora is getting more and more damaged in the Western population. And I'm afraid that the third world countries are catching up fairly rapidly because our ways of living... Uh, coming and all this has happened in in not so many generations so it it happens fast it's happening very fast and now this is like an avalanche it's like a snowball mm. it's a huge vast snowball already and it's snowballing and it's rolling on good example of it is autism that i had to face uh, in my own family when i graduated as a medical doctor which was more than 30 years ago now We've never seen autistic individuals. When I was studying psychiatry, we were in the biggest psychiatric hospital um, in our city, and there was not one autistic individual in the whole hospital. The teacher could not show us autism. And vast majority of the population had never heard such a word, autism. They didn't know what it was, because it was an extremely rare disorder. Today, in the English-speaking countries, and I think in Sweden the statistics are the same, we are diagnosing one child in 25, 26. And the scientists have already projected that line in the next five years or so. They're promising us that we will be diagnosing one child in two. Half of our children will be autistic. And that curve is not going to stop there. It will continue snowballing until there will be no normal children at all around. And there are no normal children now. If you look now at younger generations of children in the English-speaking world, certainly, uh, there's lots of autistic children and there are hardly any healthy children at all. Hyperactivity, ADHD, asthma, eczema, allergies, rheumatoid arthritis, diabetes type 1, all have gained epidemic proportions. And many, many other illnesses too because of what's happening with the gut flora in these children and because of what's happening with our environment and our food. That is what's happening. Mm, yeah, we can definitely recognize that. And I also have an autistic son. Um, but we were a little bit... Uh, you, you said you would come to this, that what should we eat now to heal our gut? And uh, is, is organic enough to uh, not get all these chemicals in our food? Organic standards have been corrupted and degraded. We cannot trust organic label in supermarkets anymore. This is a sad situation, but that's the truth of it, I'm afraid. Because 10 years ago, the big industrial agriculture saw that uh, large groups of people in the Western world want organic produce, want clean, chemical-free organic produce, and they wanted a piece of that pie. 
and they rule the industrial policies of Western governments. They put their own people into Western governments, they fund Western governments, they wield huge amounts of money, and they dictate agricultural policies. So they have changed all the rules and regulations around organics. Today we have organic pesticides, hydroponics are considered to be organic, which have no place in organics at all, because what is hydroponics? The plants never touch soil, they live in water full of chemicals. And that's So no good bacteria there. There's nothing there. It's just chemicals and chemicals. So um, we cannot trust organic. And there is a lot of cheating in that sector, I'm afraid. There is a lot of dishonesty in that sector. Um, for example, good good, good uh, numbers uh, come from America that more than uh, 80% of all so-called organic grain in America comes from China, grown around the Yangtze River. And Yangtze River is one of the most polluted rivers and all the water is taken out of that river. And the farms, the industrial farms are right next to so-called organic farms and you just simply cannot trust that. And that more than 70% of so-called organic chickens in the supermarkets are not organic. And uh, there is a disaster going on now in uh, English-speaking world where uh, organic uh, farmers who produce organic milk, true organic farmers, honest, are all uh, being bankrupted. They're all being uh, pushed out of the industry because the big industrial milk producers now have been certified organic because the new rules allow them to do that and they're not organic at all. And they can sell their milk for half the price that the real organic farmer can do. So uh, real, real producers of real organic milk are disappearing uh, one by one and it's happening very quietly and very fast. So we cannot trust organic standards, we cannot trust organic label in the supermarkets. You're just wasting your money. What we have come to for any person who wants to have healthy food, we have to stop buying food in supermarkets. We must abandon supermarkets. Because everything on supermarket shelves comes from industrial agriculture. Full of chemicals, full of uh, practices which are destroying our planet, destroying the health of humanity, destroying everything around them polluting our waters, destroying soil, most most uh, most importantly, because soil is the most precious part of nature. And we are destroying it at an alarming rate. We're losing enormous amounts of topsoil. That's where all life begins and all life ends. If there is no soil on the planet, there will be no plants and no food and no life on our planet at all. And that's what industrial agriculture is doing with impunity. They're destroying soil. And... Uh, Everything in the supermarkets come from this kind of agriculture. And this is so, so sad to hear. And you feel kind of hopeless. And I think that both Lotta and I have come sort of to this conclusion when it comes to meat, that to have like good quality meat from animals that have been healthy and have been treated with respect, you have to go find your own farmer to buy your meat. And now Absolutely. it's the same... Absolutely. With uh, with groceries, with vegetables, and and um, yeah, it's going to take a lot of time to to shop for your food. Well, not at all. It's 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 all uh, very doable with a bit of uh, planning. Because the good news is that eighty five percent of humanity on our beautiful planet are not fed by industrial agriculture. Industrial agriculture and the governments in the Western world will want you to believe that they are feeding the world. Not true. The world, 85% of the world, is fed by small subsistent farmers, which are organic. 
and people who have their own garden and a goat in their garden and chickens running around their feet, you know, these are the people who live in the majority on this planet. And in every, of course, majority of these people live in developing countries, but in every Western country, there are hundreds and hundreds of real farmers, real organic farmers, because a real farm will never entertain monocultures. Nature abhors monocultures. In nature, everything works in a mixture. You don't have a field of lettuces and then a field of potatoes next to it and a field of wheat and not an animal, not a bird there and nothing else at all. In nature, everything's in a mixture. And the same has to happen on a real, true, organic farm. Everything must be in rotation. A proper farm should have every animal on it, every bird on it, and bees, and gardens, and, and arable, and everything in rotation. Because once you've taken a crop from a field, you need to put animals on it. Because it is animals with their manure and their urine and the way they eat the grass that restore the fertility of the soil. Once you've taken away from the soil some of its resources, you have to return them back in the form of animal manure and animal urine. So animals are absolutely essential on every farm. And real true farmers understand that. And we have now a, a wonderful and very powerful movement around the world of regenerative farming. Yeah, Other we had a, actually, uh, we interviewed a woman about the re regenerative agriculture in a previous episode. And I'm so happy that you're talking about it as well, because I think now when we, when all we get to hear about is how we all have to become vegetarian or vegans, um, to save the planet, we really need this kind of information because this is sort of forgotten. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, the industrial agriculture, which is only interested in profit, uh, it is ruled by multi-trillion uh, global corporations. And these corporations have fingers in every pie. The industrial farmers are not bad people, but they're trapped. They, they, they have uh, they got into a trap, but they're in debt, deep debt to these companies, and they can't get out of it. So they hate what they do, but that's what they have to do. These uh, multi-trillion global corporations have fingers in every pie, as I say. They are the corporations which produce agricultural chemicals and seed and agricultural machinery and pharmaceuticals and food industry and medical industry. So they profit from everything, <laughs> from, from the whole thing. They create diseases through their uh, poisonous food and then they produce drugs to treat those diseases and they train the medical profession, and they fund the uh, Western uh, governments who are supporting the whole um, the whole vicious cycle. That's a genius business model. Very genius business model. And then last year they've stepped up on their uh, activities with uh, everything that happened last year. But let's not talk about that. So it is profitable for these multi-trillion corporations to produce plants, to grow plants. It's easy and profitable for them. Because the scientists have worked it out for them very well. So they've got seed that has been modified, hybridized, genetically modified. It's certainly in many countries uh, where it's allowed, but it's hybridized in the whole world. And they sprayed with certain chemicals. So the farmer is given the seed and is given machines and is given all the chemicals. And he said, well, you seed on this day, on day five, you spray this, on day 14, you spray that. Then you spray this, and then you do this, and then you do that, and it works. You get a yield 
you get this green mass, you get these beautiful looking fields and with not a weed in sight, and uh, uh, you get your yield. The yield of what? Nobody's asking that question. It's basically uh, commodities which are full of chemicals and have a very poor nutritional value. But the yield is there and it's profitable for them. However, producing meat, milk and eggs is unprofitable for them and hard work because animals are not complying so easily as plants do. And you cannot hybridize animals as easily and you cannot uh, alter them at all. Animals, cows and sheep and pigs and chickens and geese and ducks and turkeys and all other uh, living things like that, they all have been designed by Mother Nature to live on pasture under the open sunlight, open skies, and it has to be real pasture with more than 60 of different varieties of grasses and herbs growing in it. Not some monoculture of a hybrid grass sprayed with chemicals and then fed to, uh, to these animals. And when you, lock, when you take the animals off the fields and lock them up in a prison, in a building, and feed them chemicals and feed them commodity grains and commodity um, monocultures, they get sick. So every animal farm like that, whether it's eggs, whether it's chickens, whether it's um, cows or, or pigs or anything else like that, they're like prisons. No, a, a visitor can't come in there. The first thing that, you know, you have these big gates and big walls and barbed wire everywhere, and you come in there and it's a concentration camp. And then you have rows and rows of refrigerators full of antibiotics, steroids and other chemicals to, to feed to these animals, to give to these animals. Because these animals are sick. They live in an unnatural environment. They are fed unnatural food to them. Because a very well-hidden fact of industrial agriculture is that they overproduce grain. They have been overproducing grain for the last uh, several decades. In fact, they're dumping huge amounts of grain in the Atlantic Ocean because they've got no other use for it. They overproduce grain. And once they overproduce it, they have to sell it. And what they found, that if we take the animals off the, off the land, lock them up in these concentration camps, and feed them this overproduced grain, but the grain makes animals dead, uh, uh, sick. They don't survive it. They develop cancers from it. They develop arthritis. They run well, these animals. That's why they killed very young, before they start developing cancers and before they start getting very sick, uh, these animals. So they live a miserable short life in these kafalus, these animals, and uh, that's unprofitable. It's very unprofitable. That is why these multi-trillion corporations that rule the world at the moment want the whole world to be vegan. They don't want to produce meat, eggs, and milk. It's unprofitable for them. But it's very profitable for them to grow plants. So they want everybody to be vegan and vegetarian. And they have powerful, huge marketing departments staffed with highly educated psychologists, who know how to manipulate the emotions and the thinking of the population, how to create a narrative, to create a myth, a story given to the whole population uh, that we are saving the planet, that we are, that veganism and vegetarianism is healthy, that this, that, and the other. All of this is lies upon lies. The truth is just the opposite. Veganism and vegetarianism destroys the planet. Because there is no way of feeding large numbers of vegans and vegetarians but through industrial agriculture. Only industrial model can provide 
the amount of plant matter required to feed large groups of vegans and vegetarians. And it is the industrial agriculture that is destroying this planet. <clears throat> so if a vegan thinks that by their life choices, by their food choices, they are saving the planet, they are very much mistaken. They are destroying the planet. Yes, the whole propaganda is based on ignorance and emotions. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Yeah, because we're kind of told that the most healthy food or healing protocol is a vegan diet, a raw vegan diet, maybe. But... um, Explain, why don't you think that is, besides from what we're fed in media, but explain to people, because we always get this question when we, 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 we promote meat in our practice and when people come, oh, but I've been go- doing it so healthy, I excluded meat and I just feel worse. And they can't believe, but why? But meat is bad for you, you know? Well, I'll tell you a story. There was a time... When doctors used diet, herbs, and other natural methods for treating, uh, for, for healing their patients. But then humanity discovered oil and uh, discovered its many uses and discovered that we can make drugs out of oil. We can make various chemicals out of oil. So the big oil barons have set up an American Medical Association that happened at the beginning of the 20th century. The purpose of this association, which was funded very nicely, by these um, oil barons, is was to rewrite the curriculum of all medical schools, to set up medical scientific universities and medical scientific um, laboratories and institutions, and to pronounce all natural methods of treatment unscientific and quackery. And that is what's happened. A petroleum-based medicine has been set up. Because if you speak to any businessman, successful uh, business person, they will tell you that the most profitable industry in the world is the health industry. They all want their fingers in the health industry. And that is medicine, food, pharmaceuticals, and agriculture is there as well. And these are the multi-trillion corporations and people who own these uh, corporations. They started from oil. These are the same people who own oil. So we live in a world now of petroleum-based medicine, where Medical schools teach a curriculum where students are drilled that diet, herbs, homeopathy, acupuncture, and all natural methods of treating uh, patients are quackery, unscientific. 
the only scientific method is drugs produced from petroleum, from oil uh, by pharmaceutical industry, and uh, science that we produce, that this petroleum-based uh, medical industry produces. And this, this science is full of lies. I'm now in my 60s. I'm, I'm uh, a medical doctor who has been at it for, for a long time. Uh, and all of my experience, my professional experience, eventually brought me to a conclusion that we cannot trust one scientific study that given to us. It is all lies, most of it. It's very difficult to distinguish between honest science and industrial science because it is the same industries, the same multi-trillion global corporations who are paying for all this science and the one who pays the piper orders the tune. They very often, before they give a grant to scientists, they give them the conclusion of the study that um, the scientists must come to. They say, well, you proved this for us, and here's the money for you to do this. And the whole story that meat causes disease, and fat causes disease, and eggs are bad, and butter is bad, they all come from this science, petroleum-based science, in order to sell petroleum-based products and petroleum-based medicine. And the governments, the Western governments, if you look at the history of governments from time immemorial, who was the first government that appeared on the planet? This was just a group of thugs who were employed by the wealthy person in the village to guard their wealth. And nothing has changed ever since, I'm afraid. <laughs> governments in the Western world have always served big money and they continue serving big money. And their purpose is to give the population a narrative, a myth, a story, so the population believes what they are told. And the population believes what the government say to them and what the mainstream media tells, tells them, which is controlled by the same uh, powers in the world. So if you take anything that the mainstream is telling you and do the opposite, you're not going to stray far away from the truth. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> and that is the conclusion that I have come to. So coming yeah. to... Uh, coming to uh, plants. I was getting all this several years ago. I was getting all these anorexic girls coming to my clinic and uh, bipolar young people and people with other mental illnesses and autoimmune illnesses. And very soon I've discovered that all of these young people became sick because of vegetarianism. Before becoming a vegetarian, they were perfectly healthy people, perfectly healthy children, and they completely destroyed themselves. So that spurred a very uh, intense interest in this subject of vegetarianism. So I started researching the whole thing, and very quickly I discovered that there is not one scientific study published that we can trust on this subject. All of them have been paid for and designed by pro-vegetarian lobby, that, that petroleum-based group that I'm talking about. They're incorrectly designed, the data has been incorrectly analyzed, and the conclusions are manipulated. And in order to see that, you really have to read the study. You really have to look at the numbers and the tables and the data. And that takes time. So very quickly, I realized all that. One of the biggest lies in that department is the China study. And all our mainstream, now governments are waving the China study to the world saying, well, this, this is what, you know, that's where the truth comes from. It's a lie upon lie upon lie. So having discovered that, I went back to basic sciences, sciences of physiology, zoology, biology, biochemistry, and clinical experience. My own clinical experience and clinical experience of many of my colleagues that I'm in touch with. Because there is a new breed of doctors in the world which are called holistic environmental doctors. 
and I belong in that group. So, based on all of that information, I have written a book called Vegetarianism Explained, Making an Informed Decision, where I explain to people that animal foods and plant foods work very differently in the human body. Mother Nature gave us two groups of foods, animal foods, meat, fish, eggs, and dairy, and plants, grains, beans, vegetables, fruit, and, and so on, right? The basic scientific fact is that nothing on our beautiful planet can, di uh, can digest plants apart from microbes. We're coming back to those wonderful microbes. Only microbes have an ability to break down plant matter, to digest it and to turn it into something that anim other animals can benefit from. And based on this fact, Mother Nature created a special digestive system for herbivorous animals. Cows, goats, sheep, giraffe, antelope, deer, and so on. All of these herbivorous animals, which eat exclusively plant uh, plants, plant matter, have a rumen. A cow has three enormous stomachs full of microbes. So she doesn't digest the grass herself. It's this microbial community in her stomachs that digests the grass for her. And an interesting fact is that... Uh, vast majority of the carbohydrates in this grass is, are converted into saturated fat, short-chain fatty acids, fully saturated fat. So the cow actually lives on a very high-fat diet. Yeah, <laughs> so I read is, about so that, that, that cows so are actually in ketosis. Exactly, exactly. They live on an extremely high-fat high fat diet because that's what the microbes in their rumen do. We human beings don't have a rumen. We have a small stomach. When we swallow food, that's where the food lands, a very small stomach, which virtually has no microbes in it because it produces hydrochloric acid. And the acidity in your stomach can go below 2, below 1 pH. Extremely hostile environment for any microbe to survive in there. And because, remember, that, that basic scientific fact that we've discovered in the first half of the previous century, basic science, that only microbes can digest plants. There are no microbes, no plant digestion. So plants are indigestible for the human digestive system. But our human stomach producing hydrochloric acid, pepsin and other elements of the stomach juice is perfectly designed to digest meat, fish, eggs and dairy. These are the only things that are properly digested in our stomach. And that, that mixture, then that mixture is passed into the several meters of intestines where absorption of food happens. And only things that got properly digested in the stomach can be absorbed. Plants are indigestible. They sit in the stomach, they don't get digested properly. Then they pass through the intestines, again, they don't digest properly. They can contribute a few juices, vitamin C, a few minerals, a few uh, cofactors. But the bulk of what your body is built from, the building materials, the, 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 the substance that builds the physical structure you live in, uh, plants cannot contribute. Because about 70% of your body is water. If we remove water from your body, the dry weight that's left is 50-50 protein and fat. Half of you is protein, half of you is fat. 
When we analyze human protein in the laboratory, in the laboratory, we find that in its biochemical structure, it's very similar to proteins that come from meat, fish, eggs, and dairy. Plants are full of proteins. One of the most researched protein in plants is gluten. And all of these proteins are completely indigestible by human digestive system. They have inappropriate amino acid composition, and they cannot build your physical body. So vegans who live on pea protein or soya protein or other plant protein, they're kidding themselves. They are not feeding themselves at all. The same with fat. 50% of your dry weight is fat. When we look at it in a laboratory, we find that in its biochemical composition, it's almost identical to fats that we get from meat, fish, eggs, and butter. And still we are warned about saturated fat. That comes from petroleum-based health industry, which is profiting from that idea. It's a lie. It's a complete lie. And I have written another book on that subject, which is called Put Your Heart in Your Mouth, uh, what really causes heart disease and what we need to uh, reverse, what we need to eat to uh, prevent or reverse it. And in that book, I explain what actually causes heart disease. Because cholesterol and animal fats not only don't cause heart disease, they prevent it and they reverse it. They are healing fats. And cholesterol is one of the most healing molecules on this planet, one of the most essential molecules for all of us human beings. In all of my books, I speak about cholesterol um, in detail. I have a chapter about cholesterol and animal fats. The most appropriate fats for human beings to eat are animal fats. Lamb fat, beef fat, goose fat, duck fat, pork fat, butter, ghee. These are the fats that virtually require no digestion. It's very easy for our stomachs and our digestive systems to digest them and absorb them. And they are almost identical in their biochemical composition to our fat in our bodies. Your brain is a very high-fat organ, and about 40% of it is cholesterol. And it needs feeding all the time. It's a very hungry organ. And it renews itself all the time. Cells die there, new cells are born. So building materials are required for the brain. If you don't eat animal fats and you don't eat cholesterol, you're starving your brain. And indeed, from my clinical experience, uh, long-term vegans and vegetarians are not the sharpest tools in in the box, I'm afraid. Their intelligence gets dramatically reduced. Their memory, their ability to learn, their cognitive ability is dramatically reduced. All your endocrine organs in the body are high-fat organs. Your bone marrow, where all your blood cells, your immune cells are born and many other cells are born, is high-fat organ. Every internal organ is sitting in its own chamber of fat, which cushions it and supports it and provides the energy for it. Because another basic scientific fact is that most of your body, all of your body pretty much, uses fat as a source of energy. The petroleum-based medical industry has given you a, a, a lie that you need sugar for energy. That's a lie and a nonsense. Your body needs fat for energy. And that's what almost all cells in your body prefer to use as a source of energy. And that is fat, animal fat. Vegetable oils, the the oils in plants, plants have plenty of fats in them, plenty of oils, but they are polyunsaturated and in their biochemical structure completely inappropriate for building our fats. We need them in tiny, tiny amounts. So one salad a day, an apple you've eaten a day or 
um, maybe a handful of nuts, that's enough. You'll get plenty of those polyunsaturated fatty acids. And if you eat oily fish, you get just the right ones. Well, you get them also from meat. and uh... That's right. And you get them from grass-fed meats as well. But the bulk of what your body needs is uh, animal fats, which, by the way, are not all saturated. They contain, apart from saturated fatty acids, animal fats contain a lot of monounsaturated fats and some polyunsaturated, depending on what the animal has been fed. So coming back to supermarkets and where do we buy our food? Do not buy your food in supermarkets. Find the local farmers, real farmers. These kind of farmers will be very happy for you to come and visit their farm. They'll welcome you with both arms because they've got nothing to hide. And you will see that there are no bags of chemicals lying about. There are no refrigerators full of antibiotics and steroids and whatever else. That the chickens are running around free all over their farm. Turkeys are running around free all over their farm. Cows are on pasture. Pigs are on pasture. Sheep are on pasture. And everything is in rotation. And once you found farmers like that, you start buying your food exclusively from these farmers. What I recommend for my patients who live in the cities, I put them in touch with each other and they form cooperatives. They take turns. So one weekend, uh, one family drives outside the city and buys food from the farms for everybody and brings them into their, to their apartment in the city or their house in the city. And all the other people come to their house and pick up their bits and pieces. Next week, it's another family that drives out and brings for everybody the food. So you, you only need to do shopping once a week. That's a and really good idea. Absolutely. And once the group becomes big enough, many farmers are very happy to deliver to one house in the city for the whole group. And then everybody just drives to these people and pick up their bits and pieces. All it takes is just getting organized. What we need to understand that organic, true, real farmers who love their land and love their animals and love their soil and do things properly, caring for this planet and caring for, for the soil, for the land, for the microbes in the soil, for the worms, for the animals, for the birds, for, for plants, for everything. They are not supported by uh, Western governments. In fact, Western governments make their lives very difficult with their endless regulations and their endless uh, checking and meddling and, you know, interfering. While the Western governments are subsidizing industrial farming, They're giving huge amounts of money to industrial farming because they're part and parcel of those multi-trillion global corporations, petroleum-based industry. You have to understand the Western governments are in their camp, not in yours. They're not on your side, they're on their side. So the only good farmers in the world who survive are the ones who have a strong customer base, people that buy directly from them. Because the, the people who make the biggest profit in this world are the middlemen, you know, Supermarkets. Every every pound, every 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 dollar or every krona that you spend in a supermarket, 90% uh, of it goes to the supermarket. The farmer gets absolute drips and drops, absolutely just pennies, gets nothing virtually. Mm -hmm. If you buy directly from the farmer, the whole dollar goes to the farmer. So this farmer can now survive and can, can expand and can live. On this money. So by buying directly from the farmers, you're supporting good people, loving people, people who are actually saving the planet. So we really need to start taking the time to finding these organic farmers and uh, support them 
and start um, cooperating with our neighbors. Yes. Or move out to the countryside and start to farm ourselves. Absolutely. That's what happened to me and my family. We bought a farm eight years ago. All right. Using 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 uh, food as medicine. At a certain point, you realize that you cannot trust anyone to produce your food. You have to produce it yourself. That's why we heard the rooster in the background before. That's right. That's right. I have an organic farm and we produce all of our food ourselves. So I how difficult was that? I've been to a supermarket for years now. So how difficult was that to start your own farm like that and start growing your, your own vegetables? Like, does it take a lot of time? It's magnificent. It's the most beautiful thing anybody can do in the world. You know, connection to soil and connection to animals is in our blood, is in our in our bones. <laughs> That's where we are the happiest. And uh, what we do here, because we do everything organically, and when we started, we knew nothing because we were not farmers. We had no experience at all. And it's not difficult to learn. There are plenty of wonderful books, plenty of wonderful organizations around the world who publish all the information, all the know-how is already already exists. It's all out there. It's not difficult to figure it out. And I'm writing a book on how to how to farm and how, how to start from scratch like that. Oh, great. I will get that book. (laughs) (laughs) I will be on the lookout for a farm until then. So when will that be released? I'm writing it. (laughs) (laughs) Please hurry. (laughs) Okay, okay. So, you know, and and many of my patients uh, came to the same conclusion and now bought small holdings in the countryside and they have got goats and they're milking them and they have chickens and they have turkeys and they have gardens. The that garden, sounds wonderful. No dig method in the gardens. We don't dig. That's that's the best way to do it. No dig gardening, where you don't disturb the soil. There are so many wonderful methods that have been discovered. Mm. So it, it's not difficult. Well, one thing I want to go back to because I think I interrupted you in the beginning when you were talking about the GAPS diet and like now we know how important food is and looking at my own children, I know that uh, one of the most difficult things is to keep them from eating a lot of this processed crap because unhealthy things like soda and candy and cookies and ice cream, they are so readily available and they are so cheap and like uh, all their friends are having it. So you you have worked with a lot of children and teenagers. Do you have any good advice for us parents? Like how can we... How can we get, like mostly our teenagers, I think, that have a little bit of their own pocket money and want to do what their friends are doing. How can we help them understand how utterly important this is? Keep talking, keep talking, keep talking, keep explaining, explaining, explaining. And a vital thing to do is to involve your children in cooking and shopping and going to those farms. Children need you, you know, every weekend. You just get in the car with the whole family, drive to a farm, visit the farm, see the animals. Volunteering on the farms is a wonderful thing to do as a whole family. Even if you volunteer for for a few hours on, on a Saturday, let's say, you know, every Saturday or every Sunday, just a few hours, two, three hours, go and do a job. Every farmer will be delighted for you to come and volunteer on their farm, good farmers. My farm is run on volunteers. I have volunteers on my farm all the time because we could not possibly do everything physically ourselves. And uh, these are young people from all over the world who come to learn organic farming. We teach them. 
my farm, my animals, teach them how to look after them, how to communicate with them. Maybe I and can that, send my teenager. <laughs> that's a good idea. Send him here, we'll teach him. <laughs> and it's very important to uh, get them close to the soil and get them close to animals and keep explaining and keep talking and get them cooking. They must cook their own meals from scratch. Children are far more likely to eat something they've cooked themselves than uh, what they what somebody else cooked for them and put in front of them. Yeah, because most of these kids with ADHD or autism, they are typically very picky eaters. So it's maybe even more difficult to get them to eat, like to follow a certain diet. Being picky uh, eaters is a part and parcel of gaps. That is a symptom of gaps. What happens with these children, and it's happening to majority, I'm afraid, majority of children in the Western world, and it happens very early in their lives, um, they get into a vicious cycle of addiction to the very chemicals that hurt them. Because those pathogenic flora, that pathogenic flora that grows in the gut of a hyperactive child, or an autistic child, or a child who is just shy, or a child who is bullied at school, or a child who is not good at sports, or a child with any kind of not 100% function. You know, it can be quite mild. But pathogenic microbes that overgrow in their gut are very clever. They love processed carbohydrates. They love sugar. They love everything made out of flour, bread, pasta, biscuits, cakes, chocolate muffins, all of it. Uh, they love uh, soft drinks, of course. They love processed things, potatoes, potato chips, all of these sort of things. They feast on these processed carbohydrates, converting them into millions of poisonous chemicals, which cause your child's hyperactivity, which make your child autistic, which make your child unable to learn and unable to focus and impair his memory and learning ability, which make your child shy or make your child uh, have poor social skills, or bullied at school, or whatever else is happening to your child. These are the chemicals that cause these symptoms. But part of that toxicity, these microbes produce in the form of endorphins. These chemicals get to the brain and give the brain pleasure. So the brain wants more. And this is a drug addiction. Your child is a drug addict. Vast majority, this, is, this may sound shocking, but vast majority of children in the Western world are drug addicts. The drug is produced by microbes in their gut. When these microbes are feasting on crisps, on popcorn, on breakfast cereals, on pasta, on bread, on jam, on sugar, on cakes, on all of these things, on soft drinks, on Coca-Cola and so on. The drug is produced right there from these processed carbohydrates. That is why your child is hyperactive. That is why your child is not achieving at school as they should. Uh, or is shy or, can't, or doesn't have any friends or finds it difficult to fit in with social groups or being bullied or whatever else. Mm, yeah, there's no question about it that these, uh, these food-like products are highly addictive. Mm. That is petroleum-based industries that produce all of this stuff. This is highly profitable for them and they want you all to eat just that. They mm. want you to stop eating real foods. Remember I mentioned that um, before these industries have appeared on the planet, the whole planet was organic. There was no other food. No. These petroleum-based companies uh, set off at that time, before the Second World War, they set off to make organic food so expensive that it will be only available to a small group of people on the planet. 
the mm -hmm. vast majority of people on the planet will be eating their processed um, junk. Mm -hmm. And they've achieved it. They have achieved it. That's exactly what has happened. They, they've achieved it. Now their new purpose is to make meat, eggs, milk, and milk and fish completely unavailable. Only available to exclusive, very small group of people make it so expensive, real foods, real true foods, so expensive that people cannot even obtain these things. And vast majority of people will be living on um, synthetic meat, synthetic milk, synthetic eggs, and synthetic fish. They already have technologies for this, and people such as Bill Gates and Facebook um, uh, billionaires and all the other billionaires, they're all heavily invested in these technologies already. It's coming out. Very soon, real meat, real milk, real eggs will not be available to the majority of humanity. They will all be eating synthetic alternatives grown in the laboratory. No, we have to protect that. We, we don't must. want that synthetic meat. No thanks. No thanks. But that's coming. That's what's happening. But no, Dr. Natasha, I'm really curious now. What does a typical food day look like for you? A food day? Well, you know, my sons who are with me now on the farm, and I'm very happy. They're both, they're both working, but they live with me on the farm. And uh, we went through the same teenage years when they wanted different things, and we had to work on that. And now I'm delighted to watch them, how they teach my volunteers. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> very hopeful. Properly, how to cook properly. They're both strictly on the diet, on the GAPS diet. We're all on GAPS diet because it prevents many illnesses and keeps us healthy and well. We don't want to come off this diet. <laughs> so you live what you learn or what exactly. you teach. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So they wake up in the morning, they have eggs and bacon and black pudding and uh, a salad, something like that. I usually don't eat very early. I eat a bit later because I don't feel hungry in the mornings. Um, we, eat on, we eat when we're hungry. You know, everybody eats when they're hungry. We are strictly on GAPS diet. We eat meat, vegetables, we eat a lot of soups. We eat a lot of eggs, and we have plenty of our own meat and our own eggs and our own milk. Uh, my sons make cheese, we make yogurt, we make kefir, we drink kefir every day. And uh, we eat our own fruit, and we have freezers full of berries, because we grow all sorts of berries, large amounts, and we freeze them. So we have a year's supply of berries. All our volunteers are eating berries, and we're eating berries. So we've got our own fruit, we've got our own vegetables, we have two large vegetable gardens, so all our vegetables are in the garden. We don't buy anything. We buy salt, we buy spices, we buy olive oil, that's about it. That, that sounds, sort of, sounds amazing. That sort of sounds like paradise. Yeah. It, it is, and it is a birthright of every human being on the planet. Humans need to get out of cities and start growing their own food. Only then we feel truly human. Yeah. Okay, Dr. Natasha, uh, time is flying when we're talking to you, and I've been listening and reading, and I know you have tons more of knowledge, but uh, I'm sorry, we need to start to wrap up a little bit. Uh, but we have a couple of questions that we ask all our guests in Hälso Snacks. So we're happy if you could answer to those as well. And the first one is if you have any daily routine or ritual that you do uh, in order to feel well, to, that you want to share with us and our listeners. Daily routine. 
Yes. Working on the farm, in the fresh air, with my animals, with my birds, with my gardens and my plants. That's fresh air, that's sunshine and tons of positive emotions. Because animals are just wonderful. They're such beautiful creatures because they are honest. They cannot lie. <laughs> and they have no language. And they're just beautiful. Um, that gives me a huge amount of positive. I do a lot of work every day too when I have time, but no more than maybe two or three hours. I do work on the computers because once you spend some time on the computer, you must go outside. It's unhealthy to sit in front of screens. Yeah. And I eat when I'm hungry. Just And all of us eat when we're hungry because that's when we should be eating. And there is always good food available in the fridge. Um, so everybody helps themselves. And when we want, want to cook, when we cook, we cook. We usually gather together for dinner. That's a time when the whole family sits together and, and we eat together. And uh, sleep is very important. What people need to understand that the best sleep happens before midnight. Before midnight. And it's important from... Uh, that is why I go to bed no later than 9 p.m. Oh, I so thought then, I went to bed early. Me and Lotta, we, went, go, we go to bed at... Um, 10 o'clock yeah. the latest. 9.30 for me. All right, 9.30, but you're at <laughs> yes, 9. Yes, 9.30, that's, that's good, whatever works for you. But it's important to go to bed no later than that, no later than perhaps 10. And unfortunately, many people don't do that. They, they stimulate themselves with a cup of coffee, watch horror movies, or, or do some stressful work on, on the computers or something else. And what you're doing, you're stimulating production of cortisol, a hormone cortisol. Cortisol naturally... Uh, follows the sun. When the sun sets down, cortisol goes down in our bodies and allows us to go to sleep. When the sun starts rising in the early hours of the morning, cortisol rises too and wakes wakes us up and allows us to wake up and face the day. When a person stimulates cortisol production artificially, when it's dark like that, they deprive their body of very vital sleep, very important uh, repair and detoxification that happens when we sleep. And also the brain must sleep in order to assimilate and properly process all the information you got during the day. If you don't get proper sleep when cortisol is low, then your brain starts building a backlog of information that is not properly processed. And that usually leads to depression and inability to acquire more information. Your memory will start suffering. Your ability to learn will start suffering. Your focus will start suffering. And the person can uh, sink into depression. So it's very important for us to sleep properly. Sleep is not an empty, useless time. It's a very important time for our bodies to rejuvenate, to assimilate what happened during the day and to recover. Yeah, totally agree. Yes. And now for our final question. Uh, this is kind of what it all boils down to. So if you only can or are allowed to do one thing in order to keep your health, what would that be? To allow only love into your mind. Human brain is a monkey with a machine gun. That's what I tell many of my patients. <laughs> Immense ability to do damage and not much sense. So we have, to, and it it's follows social, social conditionings. You know, the whole society thrives on fear. Human society loves fear. They love being afraid of something. And this fear is pouring on you from TV screens, from newspapers, from mainstream media, from neighbors, from family, from everybody. 
oh, let's be afraid of that. Let's be afraid of this. Let's be afraid of the other. And uh, that monkey with a machine gun is very happy to jump up and down and uh, give you lots of fearful thoughts. It's very important to control the monkey. Very important to only entertain love. All your thoughts, all your attitudes need to be loving. Loving to the planet, loving to the soil, loving to your family members, loving to everyone, to every little creature on this planet. And if you work on that, if every minute you are vigilant and you work on that and you don't allow the monkey to get you into fear or get you into guilt or get you into anger or into resentment or any other uh, emotion, uh, that, that the monkey will be very happy to drag you into there. <laughs> then so many things will start straightening up in your life, correcting themselves in your life, and so many problems will just disappear. Oh, those are wonderful last words here. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Natasha, for uh, uh, sharing your knowledge and um, information and inspiration with us and our listeners. Um, it's really been a pleasure. So um, where can people find more about you if they are curious? My main website is called gaps.me, G-A-P-S dot M-E. And from there you will find my blog, I train practitioners and I train other people in GAPS Nutritional Protocol, and that's done on gapstraining.com. And uh, on those three sites, you will find all the information. And uh, and are you on any social media or do you stay away from them? Uh, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm on all the social media. <laughs> you can find me on all, the, on all the social media. Great. So thank you so much for that's a today. Pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Thank, and you. thank you for your work. Thank, Thank you, you very for much. To educate the people in your country. Thank you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.